0: so are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities head over to shipstation.com and use promo code earn for a free 60-day trial again that's shipstation.com promo code earn start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today
1: you created you know a space where there wasn't any competition Mm. then you became your own competition which is very, very brilliant. So, I think it's a lesson for just entrepreneurs in general to just think outside the box. Mm. Look at what somebody's not doing instead of looking at what somebody is doing and create a space. Even if it's niche, like you can make a lot of money in niche spaces. You don't have to be, you know, where billions and billions Damn. of people are already competing. My graduates from my school being Forbes, backdrop, backdrop. <laughs> A mic drop <laughs> Bad drop. Bad drop. all right guys welcome back this is going to be a very interesting educational episode yeah so this is something that you know I actually am extremely excited about extremely excited about because there's so many dog lovers in the world. I'm not one of
0: them. Yeah, I think that's this is oh, like one of those I, two I'm not
1: going to say I don't, I don't love dogs cuz I do appreciate dogs. I don't want I don't want Peter <laughs> don't don't come at me. No, 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 no. You better say <laughs> you love <him. laughs>
0: No, we we both we that's both that, don't yeah. have dogs. Right. Or pets for that matter. But we understand the love that people have for them. Yeah. Shout out to Mike who's a huge dog lover and Bam, you know, they've been enthusiasts about dogs and they've been trying to get us to get dogs. Yeah. And my wife is saying no, so I'm with her on that. And I do. You, do you have a dog? No, no, you have a dog. No, well, my son has. Son, a your son has a dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're in London. Yes. Um, following up from an amazing trip, amazing last night that was legendary. What we talked about forever.
0: Yes. Um, they're gonna remember this. Yes. This
1: yes. We're still in London, so we're meeting with some UK entrepreneurs while we're here. Mm-hmm. So Ahmad Ahmed. Did I that correctly? Aman Ahmed, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, it's somebody that I actually connected with in New York, ironically enough. I'm not sure. How did we originally
2: meet? So there's Mike, Mike G, the intro Oh, Mike G. <laughs>
1: that's that's extremely random. Shout out to Mike G. Shout out to Mike G. You know who Mike G is? Mike G is my guy in Miami with the NFL players and he has uh, the club. Uh,
0: yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Um, oh, okay, shout out to Mike G. Yes, so... This was when I was in my financial planning uh, days. And this was years ago, probably like five years ago, maybe? I think it was 2018.
2: It's a, the back end. Okay, like yeah, four years yeah. ago.
1: Um, and I had an office in Manhattan. You came to my office I'm in Manhattan. Bad. And um, we spoke. And he told me that he has a company that um, makes content for animals, mm-hmm. for dogs and cats, and it's like sounds and, um, you know, visual content, and I couldn't really fully understand
0: it. <laughs> I can imagine you sitting there like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay? <laughs> nah, but then he was telling me, like, you know, the company's making millions of dollars. They had a write-up in Forbes. Yeah. And I started looking at the business model behind it, and then I'm like, okay, I understand it. It's just like, you know, animals, pets specifically, mm-hmm. billion-dollar industry. Yes. Like, as far as the care. Mm-hmm. Like, You'd be surprised. People get their dogs manicures, clothing for for dogs and cats. Um, of course, veterinarians—that's a whole that's thing. Super pricey. Um, dog camps. Yep. Dog daycares. Dog workouts. Like, they, like dog sitters. Dog trainers. There's a whole industry. We going to say dog food. Well, of course. <laughs> every, that's the biggest. Every dog's got to eat. <laughs> yeah. So. Literally. But yeah. <laughs> sure. So, but if you um, if you understand the podcast space, you know, one of the most popular podcasts, I forget the name of it, but one of the most popular podcasts, one of the most popular forms of content on YouTube are, like, rain noises. Like, it's just, that's the whole thing. There's nobody talking <laughs> that. It's just, like, rain noises, like, in the Amazon and, like, waterfalls and stuff like that, and people, like, use it to go to sleep. Yeah, like, you see, gotcha. like, rain noise on YouTube. It's like 100 million views. Yeah, my kids use it. Of, like, a five-minute clip of just rain. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, just let it run. And, you, and after you let it run, there's a playlist of them. And you just keep going. Yes.
1: So, um, yeah.
0: So what
1: created is actually kind of similar to that a little bit. They call it the Petflix. That's what the media calls it, right? That's what the media calls it, yeah. The Petflix. So <laughs> the reason why it's called Petflix is that think of Netflix, like the content that you have on Netflix. Right. But think of that for pets, dogs and cats, specifically. So you have like, and we're gonna talk about it, but you have the noises, like you have some content that's just noises, but you also have content that's actually made for animals. So it's like visual content, visual content that you could play yeah. on, T- on TV and put your dog in front of the TV and the dog watches it. You might not fully understand this if you don't have an animal <laughs> or don't have a pet, but if you have a pet, I'm pretty sure that you can understand it. And once you see the numbers, when I read these numbers off, you're definitely going to understand this. So the company is valued at $25 million um, and it has 50 million pets around the world and 151 million hours of content consumed last year. Yeah. Um, and it's called Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat, right? That's right. Yeah. Um. So, all right. That's a good <laughs> intro. First and foremost, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate. it. So, all right how did how did this come about because this is a highly
2: unique situation what gave you the idea how did this happen so basically we were originally making um music to help people study and um i remember i used to struggle with studying and um and then from there i was like okay you know this is it's kind of working and at the time i had literally a thousand one thousand five hundred dollars a thousand pounds at the time um, to start a business and I found a um, dolly music producer that I could afford was based in El Salvador and um, we were Basically, he said something about his dog and cat getting noise anxiety From living in one of the most violent countries in the world when you've got guns and police sirens and all that stuff going on And we were looking into sound therapy for pets and we thought okay Let's give this a try, see what happens And then slowly it started working on his pets, and then we just put it out to the audience. And ever since then, it's been a huge feedback loop. We get the data, we iterate, we get the data, we iterate, and it's it's just got big from there.
0: So, what's that process like? Because you're making music for human beings to making music for animals, right? Like, is there a sound rate or a BPM? Like, what's that process?
2: So, yeah, there's there's certain beat um, rates and uh, certain frequencies that dogs can hear and humans can't. And then just generally what we did was just, um, there there was a lot of things that we made that didn't work. And it was just purely just experimenting, looking at the quantitative and qualitative data. And then from there, we just iterated and iterated. And and that was it. It It was a bit of a slow process, but... We wanted to build something super quality.
0: In, in the beginning stage, right? Like, how do you know it's working, right? Because I mean, I I see like Mike's dog all, all the time, um, and I feel like she just watches whatever he watches. But how do you like were there were you having dogs like you were testing them, checking their heart rates, and like timing their attention spans? Like, how, what was the process of like understanding? Like, okay, I think this is working.
2: So uh, first, so Ricardo had access to a dog shelter to see their attention. Just anxiety, you know, we didn't have the equipment to check the heart rate, but we just had enough to be like, okay, something is going on here. Now let's spread it out on YouTube to a bigger audience and collect that data. And then, so in terms of um, a scientific approach, it was more of a feedback loop approach that we took.
1: Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. You said that, um, and I've heard this before, dogs can hear things that humans can't, right? Can you elaborate on that? The sound, different?
2: So the best way to describe it is just basically certain frequencies um, that dogs can hear. They have better hearing? They have a wider range of hearing, basically. And, um, and then we just work on, like, what... So we embed some frequencies within the music, but we've now made it in a way where it's designed for humans and dogs to listen together. Um... That's something that we've noticed now. Like we, we asked the audience basically, um, you know, who watches Relax My Dog with their dog? And I think out of ten thousand votes that, that we got, about eighty-five percent of them said yeah, they watch it with a dog. So as a result, we've we've designed it in a way where it's good for humans and dogs to to watch together. So
1: um okay. How was this able to scale to the point that it is now? Like you, you said something interesting to me. You said that you haven't spent really any money on marketing. No, no. because That would be my first thing was like buying ads, uh, Facebook ads. That would seem like a, a great thing to do, buy Facebook ads. But you didn't buy Facebook ads, I'm assuming you didn't buy Google ads, you didn't buy YouTube ads. So how were you able to scale without spending money on ads?
2: Um, so how we were you able to scale was, I think one of the most fascinating books that I ever read was, um, Delivering Happiness. Um, by the founder of Zappos and we took that approach to be super obsessed with our customer base so for us it was like we wanted them to be part of the product development giving us feedback and then as a result we just continuously grew from there so um, to give you a specific example like for every one user that uses our product on average they tell about 7 people When they tell 7 people with like real intensity So as a result, we were able to scale that way. And in the nine years I've had the business, like our marketing spend in total has been $5,000. But to be honest, that $5,000 was mostly just experimenting and failing. Like we we got nothing out of it. So technically it could have been zero. Do
1: you have a system in place for, so you said like referrals pretty much. You have a system in place to encourage people to like, your referrals, or they just do it on their own. They do it on their own. But so there's no system. Do it system because system we, yeah. yeah.
2: At the end of the day, um, humans, dog owners are so emotionally attached to their pet that if they find something unique that works, they want to tell the world. And as a result, what we did was we approached micro influencers, and we have tried to incentivize them to give them something in return. But generally, they don't care. If this finds something that works, they will tell everyone. So, micro influencers, you're
1: approaching them, and they're doing it for free. Yeah, you're just giving them like access
2: to the product. Or just e- e- even that they they don't even want access to the product. Like they because they, they consume it on YouTube or Spotify, or Apple okay. Music. Um, but even if we offer them a subscription, sometimes they're like, they're, they're doing that, They're doing it from their heart. So, what's your what's your pitch to the micro influencer? So for us, it's just kind of like my I guess my uh, team takes care of that internally, but they just have a range of pitches. It's like super simple. You find out about their dog and uh, it's, more, it's more conversational. I'm sure you get so many DMs now on Insta. Um, so we take a conversational approach. So, oh, your dog is cute, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then from there, and it's the same thing we do on YouTube as well. Everything is conversational driven. And the micro influencers, like people like five thousand followers, something like that. Yeah, but we we've had um, right now TikTok influencers with millions of followers, but we we, we don't even approach them. They, they just, just they just do it. it. They just do it. Yeah. People
0: love looking at pets. And they tag they tag you. Yeah. They tag. Yeah. So you said that before, and Shai referenced it as well. Dogs hear things that we don't because they have a, a wider range of hearing. Yeah. Did you start from the, the beginning process of making it auditory and visual, or is that something that you expanded to? Because I know you talked about the color grade. Yeah. Because dogs, I mean, obviously, we don't see
2: the same way. So, like, did that come after? Like, what was that like? So that came after. So the the audio piece, I think, when was that? 2012, and the visuals piece came into came in like 2017. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to nail down the audio piece first and then we saw some basic research uh, that other universities have done around the visual side. And then we started to create content. Once again, very experimental, but we started getting that data and we're like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. And um, just to give you an example, like even our music goes into different genres that we create. So we've created an altered version of reggae, which seems to be the best type of music uh, and the most popular yeah. on our platform, compared to like an altered version of classical or oriental or whatever it is. Yeah. So um, we're starting to create these little genres where we're starting to see. They, so that on the visual piece, for example, uh, dogs love watching virtual walks on a beach. So we, we have a lot of that and we look at it and say, okay, this one works the best compared to a virtual walk in the city or whatever it is. Um, and then there's some dogs that like watching other dogs going for walks, but some don't. Some bark, some go nuts.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. As you're saying, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm, I'm walking in with my dog and we're doing like a testing. Yeah. And we put something on. I'm gauging their reaction as if they start barking, if they start squirming, if their tail's moving too much, or if they, is that how we're gauging, like, okay, they like watching walks on the beach? Is that, is that how we gauge it? So what do you mean? Like, if if, you... if there's a video, like visually, yeah, 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 how do I know it's a successful video? Like, is it because the reaction of the dog barking or showing anxiety?
2: Yeah. So as long as your dog is like, I guess, pretty chilled and engaged yeah. with the screen, then it's fine. But some people want to get their dog excited, um, and they'll be jumping up and down on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just generally, yeah, as long as they're, I think the best thing to do is like. What people do is um, they'll go to work. So they'll leave it on for like eight hours. When they come back, you can sense your dog, if he's pretty chilled or anxious. And then you can gauge, oh, this is working or it's not working.
1: So let me ask you this. You have, uh, I see on the notes, 75% profit margin? Gross profit, yeah. Gross profit? Yeah. Um, So that's high. So how are you able to do that? I'm assuming your, your cost must be very low. Low yeah. overhead, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have a production staff where you, people are producing content, right? So, mm-hmm. how are you able to keep your costs so low to keep so much of the profit? Because most of my
2: production staff is all over the world. And the other thing is, like, when I first started business, like, the biggest book that had the impact on me was Tim Ferriss, The Four Hour Work Week. And it was all about building scalability through automation. And for me, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I can hire producers in England that will be like super expensive, or I can hire someone in Indonesia that is literally insanely cheap. Outsource. Outsource. So from day one, like all I've done is outsource my business. My whole team is remote around the world. And it's good quality work. You have Amazing quality work. But I think the key thing is with outsourcing is that it's learning how to communicate when you hire these people um there's different communication techniques and also is to have them i guess integrated to feel part of the company um even though they're freelancers and i think just putting systems in place where it's like you know here's a here's some instructions just follow it that's it um i feel like when you put these uh, a put a playbook in place for these people that you hire then it just runs itself so, yeah, we've been, we talked about that a few times. A couple people have uh,
1: used platforms like Fiverr. Yeah, yeah. Different things of that nature. Um, how, how were you able to find,
2: like, the good people overseas? So, to be specific about developers, for example, when we built our own subscription platform, and there's no platform that you can just buy off the shelf. So, we had to build our own, like, Netflix out of a box. And the thing is, our watch time is a lot higher than Netflix. I think the average watch time is two hours per person. Our average watch time is eight hours um, and you, per dog or cat. <laughs> and uh, and if you look at that, that's a lot of bandwidth that's being used, a lot of bandwidth. So that how do we you know, build, put our costs down and our, our margins high on a subscription service? So a lot of that, going back to developers, it, it's kind of trial and error. I think I've done enough of outsourcing as an entrepreneur for 10 years to know, engage what works and what doesn't work. And um, I think with these developers, you um, you can put little experiments in place for them to, I guess, do. And then from there, once they kind of give you the results they want. But I think the key thing actually with developers is the best analogy is if you give them a drawing of a car and it has square wheels on it, they'll make you that car with square wheels. They're not going to tell you. Right? So you have to be super, super specific. You have to speak to them in zeros and ones, literally. And that's how you get the best results From personal experience.
0: Yeah, now, you said something very interesting, the, the watch time. Yeah. So obviously, a lot of people consume it on YouTube. So I wonder what that looks like from your end, because having a watch time of eight hours, you know, for ad dollars, it makes a lot of sense to put a lot of ads in that the, the space of the, those videos. So... How How is that for you guys as far as just revenue from just ads on YouTube?
2: So in terms of... Sorry, can you rephrase? Like,
0: So obviously when you have a watch time of over eight yeah. hours, even like if you have a watch time over eight minutes, you can generate revenue from that. Yeah, yeah. So is YouTube one of those main generating sources
2: of income for, for the company because the, the watch time is so long? Yeah, YouTube is one of the main sources. That's right. But um, I think YouTube obviously automatically places... Um, mid-rolls when the user is going to be likely the most engaged. So that just takes care of everything. But, um, you know, yeah, as a result, our watch time it is insane. Like, I think it's uh, 155 million hours in one year. Wow. <laughs> Who, who's your competition? Do you have competition in this space? <sighs> Maybe it's very, very small competition. But for us, I think what we did was like with Relax My Dog, we thought, okay, this is working. And for us, it was like, let's copy and paste our YouTube channel and send traffic to that. So we have Calm Your Dog, Relax Your Dog, Calm Your Cat, etc. Et different YouTube channels? Yeah. How many subscribers do you have on YouTube? Combined, uh, 2 million. Between the different channels? All of them, yeah. But
1: Relax My Dog is the, is the, the premier one. That's the one that gets the most... Yeah, yeah, but the other
2: ones that we designed to compete against ourselves are are growing. So you designed it to compete against yourself? Yeah, yeah, Relax my dog, relax
1: my cat. What's the other one? Uh,
2: Calm your dog. Calm your dog. Relax your dog. And uh, calm your cat. So what's the difference? And pet tunes. What's the difference between (laughs) calm your dog and relax your dog? For us, there's... um... Right now, they're very similar. Very, very similar. And I think the reason why we did that was... um just to protect protect us from an seo perspective and to send traffic to all of them to create our own competition that's actually very that's actually very
1: brilliant because it relax my dog become popular. you can see somebody making a calm your dog yeah you can see that happening right and it's like now that could potentially kind of drive people from relax my dog calm your dog same type of content yeah so it's like all right instead of letting somebody else do it we'll just copy ourselves and now we have calm our dog mm-hmm. relax my dog similar type of concept when you google it one of them is going to come up
2: exactly
1: and it's going to be now it's going to be hard for somebody to do the third like what is going, going to be next nice. yeah.
2: the away. the, oh, the best the best competition is yourself yeah <laughs> literally that's it, and that's what we did. Hmm.
0: So you said that obviously we're on YouTube, but you have the subscription service. Yeah. So what's the difference in the variation between the YouTube and now uh, subscription uh, service?
2: So the subscription service is growing for us. It's still quite new um, because of the technology that we've built. It was like how do we balance the growth versus the cost? So that's still growing. But then you know we thought from our perspective was like let's just flood our content in as many platforms as possible and just create as many revenue sources as possible. If that means cannibalizing against ourselves, I'd rather cannibalize against my own, myself than someone else do that.
0: Okay. And where's the biggest audience? Because we go to a lot of cities, especially the United States. Yeah. I mean, it feels like we've been to San Francisco, LA, these are big dog markets, Miami. Where's the biggest audience that you guys
2: it's okay. the U.S.? Is it? Yeah, yeah, 52% U.S. And then the fastest growing audience for us is South and Central America. Um, and actually the fifth fastest growing audience is India. So it's all over the world. So what's the
1: verticals here? You have the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You have a subscription model yeah. in place. You have, And what else do you have? Do you have anything else? That's the YouTube. Uh, All the music streaming services. So Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera. cetera. All right, so let's break each one down. Yeah. So let's start with the music. So, all right. Well, which one did you start first? YouTube first? YouTube first. All right, so let's do that. So the YouTube was the first one. Yeah. And that was putting out music, Mm -hmm. video format of music, and then actually putting out content, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, that grows. Then from there, you go to music. Spotify Apple mm-hmm. and you're just taking the music that you already have on YouTube yep. and putting it on Spotify and Apple Yeah, so using the same content just in different verticals correct Kind of Like how we do a podcast like we'll put the podcast out on YouTube, but then the audio goes on Apple Spotify exactly exactly Who's
2: making this music? My music producer Ricardo. We've been working together for nine years now. Oh, so it's an in-house situation. in house Yeah, yeah. You're on all the music everything is made in-house the music the video everything it's based on our own research. So
0: okay, you can go to Apple Music and pull up. How many songs have you made? Like,
2: it's it's got to be in, in a, like two thousand hours. So you just make content. you just make like
0: a couple songs a
1: day.
2: Like you can just. <laughs> so it's it's just beats though. It's mostly instrumentals, but some it's of them now are having um, some of the new stuff we're doing is having more audio in it. So we're experimenting with the audio side. So
0: you had to go through a process of. Studying the obviously the BPMs and the rhythms of all the music, yeah. The report The Guardian said that I, I know why you said reggae. I read the report that The Guardian said reggae and soft rock were the most popular, exactly. Yeah, and so uh, most of the rhythms based on that are you guys finding that you know what these rhythms also, also work too?
2: Yeah, so um, some of it's based on that, and then some of it is either we just alter it a bit more. So... If it's reggae, we obviously we make everything in-house anyway, we'll just continue to experiment with altering the sounds a bit more. Um, but the other thing that works best that's up and coming is um, more of an oriental type of music that we've started experimenting with, and we're seeing that um, becoming popular.
0: Do you, do you notice that certain dogs, certain sounds will work better for?
2: Or is no, it- no, so basically every, every dog is so individual. Yeah. Like. It's their personality. Um, I think that's why we create such a range of content. And even on the visual side, like some dogs actually love watching sheep, whereas some don't. Some dogs love watching dogs. Some start barking at the screen. So we create such a range of content for you as the owner to be like, all right, you can try, see which one works. What did you... Okay, so
1: YouTube, Apple, Spotify... Subscription. So let's talk about the subscription model. Mm-hmm. When did you put the subscription model in place and what does the subscription model
2: have that separates it from the free content? So for us, obviously it's ad free. Um, and more importantly, we are now collecting data on your dog. And then as a result, we create customized playlists. So, like if you go on YouTube, because we have such a range of content, thousands and thousands of hours, the only Drawback is you as the owner have to experiment to be like which one works for my dog, which one doesn't Whereas for us we collect that data and we create a curated playlist um, Which saves you quite quite a bit of time and as a result if you know, we look at the watch time metric, So this playlist might work for a certain period of time, but then eventually You know, we might have to change that.
1: So when you say collected data, you're based on the content that you're consuming, yeah. how long you're consuming the content. Yeah. You can say, your dog likes this music more than that music. Mm-hmm. And now we can curate a playlist. Like, your dog is more into reggae than salsa merengue.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, when, and when you do it, you're going to send them the playlist that you've made. Yeah, all yeah. your music.
2: Yeah. It's all our content. Okay. And how much is that? Just $5 a month, 4 99 a month. That's it. Less than bag of dog food. Yeah, literally. Less than dog treats. So, so the, the
1: companies, they said you said the company's valued at $25 million. That's based off of a multiple of the revenue that's coming in right now from all like, the different verticals. Yeah, yeah.
2: And because we have very, very high margins, profit margins. Yeah. That gives us really good multiples.
1: Okay, interesting. So what's the what's the plan moving forward? Like you would you like to scale it at a higher level, sell the business, like partner with somebody? Like how do you envision this
2: moving forward? So for us, I think yeah, we have been approached a number of times for exit and maybe if it's the right partner. But I think right now it's just scale the business as much as possible. Like we have fifty million cats and dogs around the world using our content. There's like a billion cats and dogs around the world. It's like a, a billion domesticated cats and dogs. Yeah. So. so we like we've got
1: more to go. What about what about <laughs> partnerships? Have you have you thought about like partnering with like uh, I don't know, like a dog food company or something that, or like one of these like um, dog shows? Like, ha- have you ever done any? collaboration and because that seems to me like that there's a lot of collaboration that kind of would make sense we
2: have we have done a lot of collaboration so on our youtube channel we also have vloggers so it's not just content but it's it's content um obviously designed for um you know how to take care of your dog all these tips and tricks etc so brands will approach us and we'll talk about specific products as well on our youtube channel so yeah for sure like we want to partner with brands um and then kind of grow from there but from our perspective, we just think that um, if a partnership doesn't slow us down, there's no point in doing it. There's no like it's just like with my previous business that I had, which was venture capital backed, angel backed, et etc. Cetera, et cetera, once you add all these layers, they start slowing you down. So for me, it's just like if you're going to speed me up, that's cool. Well, talk about that. Why did it slow you? Because you got to go ask
0: them and talk to them and go. Yeah, yeah. Ask for permission and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly Did, Have you ever been approached uh, From a healthcare standpoint Because when I hear words Like hybrid activity Anxiety right, These are words That we hear When we talk about humans That's a healthcare issue Right mm. Have you been approached By veterinarians Or anybody In the, the dog field That re- 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 revolves around the health
2: No. We, we know um, One of my friends Lives in uh, New York He went to his vet And he was like Oh they got relax my dog On the TV mm. So a lot of vets are using it, a lot of shelters are using it. I think um, during July 4th in America, um, the biggest like, shelter network I was talking about us on Fox News. So, yeah, there's a lot of areas that we are going into that's being used. But it's just around, like I end of the day, it's mental health for your pet. Right. That's it. Um, so if it's a vet, a groomer, massage, a shelter, in some way it has a positive impact.
0: Is there any visions for maybe, a, I know like a lot of people go to a dog trainer or they, like you said like a, a mental health gym. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to our guy Dave Color on Detroit. But human beings, is there ever a vision of having something like that for relax my dog, relax my my cat, where that people can actually come and see the experience outside of the YouTube or outside of the actual subscription service to have it amongst a bunch of pets?
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. Actually, um, that is something that we're looking at doing in India. Um, there's a, a bunch of high-profile people that have been approached by, so we might be looking at doing that because um, the the relationship, I guess, with pets in South Asia, going from street animals and classified as dirty or whatever, is changing like super quick. So we are going to be doing something very similar so um being
1: based in the uk mm-hmm. started a company in the uk um but you do a lot of business in america as well right yeah so can you talk about that because you know a lot of our most of our audience is an american audience but yeah we have a lot of support and a lot of listeners in the uk so what was what was the challenges if any what were the you know hurdles that you may yeah. have had to face and what how is it to do business um, cross continent because I don't think a lot of people have a full perspective of doing business on like two different continents especially yeah. in America most of the time it's like the, if you're an American based business smaller type of just focus on America mm-hmm. I know you, you you do both so what was some of
2: the, the learning experiences challenges things of that nature? so in all, all honesty I think for us we were like right how do we get to the end consumer without having a middle person and that was it so doing business in America, wherever, like, you know, we're global now, but that's because of how do we reach the end consumer? So for us, you know, I guess partnerships, if we approached like, I don't know, Pet Smart or whoever it was, like in all honesty, like I-, I have no time for that. It's a waste of my time because of the level of bureaucracies. It's like, why do I want to go to a big pet retailer when I can jump over you and get directly to your customers, mm-hmm. so that was my approach from day one. So doing business in America or wherever it's just it, distance isn't uh, whatever country isn't um, an issue. If I can access the end consumer, that's all I care about. I don't care where you're based. So
0: you, obviously, your music background has helped you in a different asset
2: now. Right? <laughs> this is this is pretty
0: incredible. So. How many because I know you outsource a lot of, of the work, but how many people are doing the day to day? Are you still day to day, or is there you built people around you that you directly have content with that are now being outsourced? How big is the team?
2: So, the team we're about 20 people around the world, um, and we have a core team in Manchester and uh, they do all kind of like the marketing, etc. And then, um, the day to day, I'm kind of like in and out a little bit, um, but yeah so just yeah (laughs) but um yeah kind of and it's good to step outside your business sometimes you have to like work on your business rather than in your business and um you know i guess the past few weeks i took a bit of time off uh just to like look outside and think where i want to go but um it's fun it's fun it doesn't feel like work it's it's my life it's my lifestyle (laughs) so um are there any festivals for dogs? Like a dog festival? Hmm. There's big conventions. Like I think in England they have one called Crufts. I think maybe they might have one in, like Miami somewhere. Okay. Um, but I don't think there's any like actual festivals.
1: That might be. That might. Be, that seems like a good idea.
2: Have like yeah, different yeah. events,
1: different contests, different like. There was one in New York actually. I went to. But I think that was just like a one-off thing. And then like, even like the music, like you're playing, you can actually have like a live
0: DJ. musical performance. <laughs> yeah,
2: literally.
0: Dog Fest. There is a Dog Fest? In the UK. So Oh, wow. So it's like a dog, It's maybe like an open park, like a high park. And they have the DJ playing the music and everybody's just chilled out on the grass. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can see this. I can see that, yeah. yeah they're listening
1: to it on YouTube. the music.
0: I mean, if... Dogs can't watch it if their owners don't watch it, right? They can't turn on the TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So now you got a bunch of people. Mike's dog can turn on the TV. <laughs> special. But you, you can sit out in the park and enjoy yeah. pets with the music. It's
1: true,
2: man. What, what gets more streams, the Spotify, Apple, or YouTube? Uh, still YouTube. YouTube. Then all the music streaming services. It's not just Spotify, Apple, but it's about maybe 120 music streaming services. Um, all of them combined and aggregated, and then, then the subscription. Yeah. So more but more
1: people still watch the YouTube than the That's audio. right, yeah, yeah. So speaking of, like you said, you've been approached by a couple of VC firms. How have those conversations gone? Like as far as, um, obviously, you haven't taken any deals yet. Mm-hmm. So what, what made you not take a deal? Like what were some of the things that was like turn off? Like how was those conversations with VC firms?
2: So, because I had another VC-backed business... You did? Yeah. Okay. I went through that game. Okay. and With the music side? Yeah. Okay. With the music side, yeah. And um, I think for me, learning through that was just like with VCs, I'm very, very like... The thing is, right, there's very few good VCs. It's a very small circle. And the majority of them have not been entrepreneurs. So my question is like, have you ever struggled? And a lot of them have come from like, you know, uh, KPMG or whatever it is. Um, So they've never seen struggle. And they're they're there talking to you about entrepreneurship. I have zero respect for that. So for me, it's just some of the VCs that I've approached to just, I need to de-risk myself. So yeah, they'll give me growth capital. But because I've had an interesting journey with VCs before, I think um, de-risking myself in terms of, like, I want to exit a part of my business. So I know that if you do screw me over, at least I have a soft landing.
0: Yeah. Is there an exit number? Like, obviously, you said you got to step out of your business some time to work on it and see where you want to go in the future. Yeah. Is there a number that you've had in mind? Like, you know, if the business can be valued at this,
2: I can see myself stopping here and maybe creating something else. Is there a number that you have ever? Yeah, yeah. My number was $20 million and now it's $25 million. So. So, <laughs> <that>? we're there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. But um, I think for me, like, money is money, whatever. Like, I think right now I'm thinking about the legacy. So let
1: me ask you this.
2: You said you had a bad experience with
1: VC before. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, well, why was it, what was
2: the bad experience? So to kind of give you a background, I think uh, it was an idea around, it was like Vivo, but for independent artists. So it was kind of like creating curated, it was an app that created uh, curated content for discovering uh, new music. And um, it was doing really well. Um, and we raised VC money, angel money, et cetera. And I think, um, and this was the first, I guess, you know, first journey in this entrepreneur thing. Um, I think it just became, and also me as a CEO, learning, like, what type of CEO that I want to be, and more importantly, what type of business I want to build, because um, you can build a billion dollar business, and, you know, you might exit for a billion, but you've you're probably at the age of thirty, but you look fifty because you've been worked out like so hard. And I think um, I had to I had to question like, what do I want? Do I want a business that help that is around my lifestyle and my stress levels, or do I want to ha- have a billion in a bank but look like shit for the rest of my life? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cool. so uh, to answer your question in terms of the VCs, I think. All it did is create too many layers of bureaucracy. So when you take VC money, you, so you're not an entrepreneur. You're an employee to your own company. And it depends how comfortable you are with that. And I wasn't. Yeah. That's like Dame Dad said, you're not a
1: boss unless you put up all, your, all the money. <laughs> exactly. When somebody puts up money for you, they're your boss. Exactly. At the very least, your partner. Exactly, and you can't just do whatever you want to do. You gotta you know, checks and balances that's put in place. So true, yeah. That's important for people to understand because yeah, it's like you know, level
2: it's, level. it's like you hear these. Okay, I got this money, but mm. nothing in this world is free. Yeah, and I think the, you see all these all this hype around so and so raised ten million dollars, but really you didn't raise ten million. You probably got a million, and now you have to hit these insane goals to get the rest of the money. And you've obviously diluted yourself. You'll probably own. If some percentage of work. Yeah, literally nothing of your company. And then that's it, like, you know, you'll continue dilution. Once you take your first VC money, that's it. You're on a road to dilution and you're on a road to being an employee of your own company working a million hours a week. And if you exit for a billion, you'll be lucky enough to walk away with 50 million. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People need to think about that. So
0: yeah, all. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had the, you started music. That that was, you know, obviously a learning experience. Obviously, you've had success with the relax my pet, relax my relax my dog, relax my cat. Where do you see yourself going after this, right? Because you said legacy. Yeah, I'm sure you want to leave your name on something. So what, what are we looking at?
2: I think it's this business. Like, um, and to give you an example of legacy, like now I've had this business for so long. As I was saying. Um, you know, people have tried so many things for anxiety for their dogs. And sometimes it can be absolutely horrible, the anxiety that they have. But they've come across our music, and they're like, oh my God, this actually works. And then they're using it, using it, and to the point where their dog dies, and they're like, can I use this music for my dog's funeral? Because this is what had such a huge impact on my dog's life. I mean, like, And that is such an incredible honor to know that It was an integral part of the dog's life to help with their mental health, to be asked to use that music for their funeral. Now let's times that by millions and millions. That's the legacy that we want, is to have a positive impact on the mental health of as many pets as possible around the world. Are you seeing an impact on the actual owners themselves? Yeah, well obviously the the emotional connection, the dog is happy, the owner's happy. So, yeah, and as a result, you know that it works because they go and tell loads of people. Loads of people. As a result, our marketing spend is literally nothing. Word of mouth. I mean, it's like us. Our marketing spend is nothing.
1: Like, we never really ran ads for the podcast. We run ads for, like, different, like, educational courses that we have. But we never run an ad for the podcast. We never marketed it. It's just uh, word of mouth. Social media. Mm-hmm. People spreading it. Um collaboration working with other people and now like you know we get some of their audience they get some of our audience Cross collaboration mm-hmm. and that's that's really been our blueprint so i think the
2: best form of advertising is word of mouth because you can't really pay for that you can't the stickiness of word of mouth i think is 85 percent. the stickiness of ads is 15 at most and that's a really good ad mm-hmm. so word of mouth all the way tell a friend to tell a friend
1: yeah yeah and you know it's one of these things where <laughs> nobody's thinking about it like you know what i mean it's like who would have thought that you know this would be something that would be a profitable business but when you really think about it i mean it makes a lot of sense yeah yeah and people you know they love their dogs so you created you know a space where there wasn't any competition mm. then you became your own competition which is very very brilliant um So I think it's a lesson for just entrepreneurs in general to just think outside the box. Mm. Look at what somebody's not doing instead of looking at what somebody is doing and create a space. Even if it's niche, like you can make a lot of money in niche spaces. You don't have to be, you know, where billions and billions of people are already competing.
2: You don't have to. And I think that's the thing about entrepreneurship. I think, in a sense, it's a little bit become toxic in the sense that who builds the biggest business... Who builds a billion dollar, especially in New York? Like, um, some guy wanted me to do a talk uh, at this startup event, and uh, he was pitching me. He's like, Look, this guy just built an incredible business by himself. And they're like, Oh, but how much has he raised? They're like, He said, He's not raised anything, he's built it himself. And they're like, No, we need people that have raised. (laughs) It's like you get penalized for being profitable. Yeah, that's crazy. But when you, you get praised for raising loads of money and being in debt, yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of lessons
0: in that. Like I said, like, a lot of times we'll, people will say, I don't know what my purpose is. What should I be doing? And I would tell them, it's usually right in front of you, right? So you had a skill, mm. you applied it. It just so happens that you, look, we can help this. And that was turned into something that's global. Mm. Right? And they'll say, so like, yo, could you have ever dreamed that? Well, I, I was just kind of walking in my purpose. So th- there's always lessons in that. Like, there's something that you do right now or a skill that you have that you probably could have optimal mac, uh, monetization on
2: if you just maximize your creativity. Exactly, yeah. And I think the other thing is a lot of people want that perfect idea to take a jump. Right. To so be like, oh, I need the idea first, then I'm going to check it, take a jump. It's, it's It doesn't work like that. You start with a, a side hustle or something, and eventually it leads to that perfect idea. Um, I think that's... You shouldn't just wait for the perfect time and, um, yeah, start on a side hustle, then move.
1: How is it in the UK for entrepreneurship, like, you know, in America, obviously the tax system is really set up to benefit entrepreneurs and investors where you can take a lot of deductions. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you can write off like meals, you can write off plane tickets, you can write off marketing, write off a lot of stuff where a regular employee that works a
2: job, they can't, can't yeah. do that. Is it the same way here in the UK? Exactly the same. Yeah. You can write off a lot, and you can get a lot of. If you're doing research and development, you can get like R and D tax credits. It's about maybe I think, I might be wrong, but a big percentage of your tax is given back to you. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of um, a lot of support here for entrepreneurs.
0: So I mean that makes sense, right? Because that's what you're doing most of mm. research and development. You got to keep research. That's so when you keep saying we did the data, we did the data, we got the data. Obviously, it's helping the business, but it's also helping you from a tax standpoint. Yeah.
2: That's, <laughs> no, it, it makes that it makes little, it, Yeah. That's it, yeah. essence. But makes, there's a lot of things you can do, like um, dividends pass up, for example, taking all your profits, putting it into a holding company, then putting that into the markets. Um, so there's, there's loads of ways of, um, yeah. And you don't get taxed on it? No. What's
1: it called? Dividend pass up? Dividend pass up, yeah. And you take profits from a business. And put it into a holding company. Put it into structure. a holding company. Yeah, yeah. And then invest that into the stock market. Yeah. So and that's a way to not and you don't pay
2: taxes on that. That's That's interesting. I think you do pay tax on the on but it's, the trade. You it's do minimized. pay tax. Yeah, it's it's just minimized. But um it's it's a good way. So, you know, talk about doing business in America. Like my biggest fear is getting sued. It's so easy to get sued in America. But um I think. If you have a, a trading company that's practically broke, because all that money's gone to your holding company, it's like sue me. It's fine. I have got nothing. Like look at look at Johnson and Johnson. They created they put all their liabilities in a company in Texas. I don't know if you saw that news. And it's like you're suing a broke company. Yeah. So it's just it's just creating safety nets. Learning the game. Yeah. Part of it. Learning the game. How
1: many people's on your team? Like. Obviously, you have the freelance freelance mm. people, but like, how many people on your team? Like in the UK, like do you have like a COO? Do you, do you have
2: a team in the UK? Or we do, yeah. There's about six or seven of us okay. in the UK. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're kind of they've been with to me. It's a long time. Like my longest, uh, Rachel. She's she's been in my team for like six years now. And, and what does she do? Um. Just engaging engages with the fan base, does the editing the content. Every everyone does pretty much the same thing. Okay. Um and there's no like hierarchy, there's no structures, everyone's involved. Oh, uh, and everybody's that's everybody's just part of the company. Yeah.
0: So I mean, obviously you said there's low overhead.
2: Has there ever been a year since its
0: inception where the company wasn't profitable? Almost seems like it's oh, on no it to
2: be profitable, right? Like 70% larger. Now we are profitable within six months. <laughs> That was it. Um, kept the ball rolling. Kept the ball rolling, yeah. Um, and there was one point when I was going to take investment because, you know, at the time, I think, 2013, 12, you were reading TechCrunch, it's like, oh, this is how you need to be successful. Like, take investment, take investment. But then, um, luckily, I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. I just had to listen to my gut because the crowd is all about raising money, raise money, raise money. Whereas, like, you know, just build a profitable business. might take a little bit longer, but, you know, everything has to be developed around your mental health, your physical health, and your lifestyle. I think even if you, before you even think about a business idea, think about a lifestyle you want first. And then how do I build a business around that lifestyle?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's one of these things that, um, even for us, like, you know, we've been approached, like, you know, not like from VC firm, but other companies that, you know, kind of threw out some ideas of like, you know, what would it, and I'm like, why would we sell any portion of our company now when A, we don't need the money and we're profitable and we're scaling mm. at our pace. Like, so how I look at it, like, unless it's going to be something that is just unbelievable and you can't turn down. Yeah. What's the point, right? Cause it's like you only, and how I look at it, you take money for one or two reasons. You take money to scale but you can actually scale through other ways too, partnerships working with strategic, you know, alliances, like mm. there's other ways to scale a brand other than just taking capital. But then also it's like, all right, now exit. Once the company's already built, now it's like, all right, we're going to offer you money. We're actually going to purchase your company from you or purchasing a portion of your company from you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of people automatically just, think that that's the only way to scale. Mm. And like you said, by doing that, they can actually be ending up like kind of screwing themselves over.
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I think and it depends what type of business it is. I think if it's, if profitability is a lot further down the line, then maybe raising might make sense. So There's a, lot, if like, it's a some, lot more overhead too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got some like crazy AI tech or whatever it is, then yeah, it makes sense. But um, I think do everything you can to have income coming in. I think raising money is like a, a, the absolute last resort. That's how I look at it. Like if you're, if there's no other way to make money then, but there always is. There's always always there. a way. Yeah. Always a Let's talk about some geographics
1: before we leave. So you're from Manchester, England, right? Originally from Leeds. But so you live in Manchester. I live in Manchester, yeah. And we are in London. So actually i was talking to somebody yesterday and they're like you got to come to manchester and they're <laughs> like um it's growing so much it's is booming da-da-da-da. so in america obviously everybody knows london yeah they might have heard a man you or man united at this yeah um but can you talk about the difference between manchester and london and like i said i heard that manchester is an actual up-and-coming City with a lot of development, so can you talk about that a
2: little bit? Yeah, it's just like um, obviously with the pandemic, I think that was a big shift where people were like I sh- we don't need to be in London, businesses don't need to be here. So as a result, Manchester is growing very quickly. A lot of big companies are moving headquarters. Like Amazon just opened up a, a huge office in Manchester, but um, just the tech scene, everything is evolving very quickly, there are some big brands that have come out of there, and I think, um, I guess the, the U.S. has major cities, whereas the U.K., you speak to any American, they're like, you say, oh, London, everyone assumes you're from London, <laughs> yeah. and then when you say you're from Manchester, oh, how's, how's London? I'm saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to correct myself, <laughs> um, but Manchester is going to be on the map as a, as a big second city for everything. And um, just like in the time I've been there, it only had like one major tall building. Now it has like five or six. Um, and the tech scene, the investment, everything is uh, is changing. It should definitely come up. How, right? how, sure.
0: How is the the real estate? I mean, we've been we've been hearing and we've been seeing a lot of the real estate here, and the prices. on it. Is it cheaper? I know you said that people realized that they didn't have to be in London, so I'm yeah, it's like an exodus. Obviously, a little bit. Less fast-paced, right? And is the real estate relatively is it the same or is it a little bit cheaper?
2: It's a little bit cheaper, but it is becoming ex- like the um, the property prices are rising, hmm. and it it will become like London on par with London. Um, and I think the best if you can invest in real real estate is the little towns around Manchester. Those are the the smartest places. Like what? What's the name of those towns? Like, even, like, like Bolton, Oldham, like, these places, Bolton. yeah, Bolton. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now these places are considered, like, really bad at the time, but they are, ch- like, give it another five, six years, because of the access routes into, into Manchester. Gentrification. Mm-hmm. It's going to change super quick.
1: So it's like a lower class suburb right now, but you can see the change
2: happening. Change is happening. Yeah, yeah. Very quickly. Like, even the the apartments that I bought in the city centre of Manchester, like, when I bought them, they were pretty much in the city centre, but it was a wasteland area. And now it's kind of, like, changed into, I guess, like, uh, like Chelsea, New York. Mm. Like, that type of vibe. Mm. Um, it's become super hipster. Mm. And uh, literally, that was in less than five years. You changed the neighbourhood, man. Sorry? I said, you changed the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, early investor. I just saw, I think the best thing to do was like, if you look on the, the, the planning permission website, you can see what planning permissions have been approved. And then you're like, all right, cool. Let me get in now. So, for example, Manchester City, which is now the biggest, is so much bigger than Man United. That football team is owned by the Sheiks. Uh, yeah, Abu, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah. So the Etihad Stadium and that whole area, um, they're now building a huge arena next to it. So I bought property next to that because I thought, right, five years, yeah. it's a no-brainer. Because you, all you do is just look at planning permission and, like, the city is extending in all areas. Let yeah. me get let me get in now. You know, it's so crazy um,
1: because no matter where you are, it's the same thing. But you are speaking about um, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That was something that, you know, we was talking to T.I., famous rapper in America, and he was saying that he was buying property all around that area because he knew once the Mercedes-Benz Stadium was there, the whole area is going to change and everything is going to become more valuable. And that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. And also what you said as far as um, we just interviewed somebody a few days ago, Julian Gordon, he's a real estate investor in America. And he was talking about um, looking at the city plans. Like in America, like you can go... like local council meetings and like the city has like plans for like the next 5-10 years yeah not necessarily exactly what's going to happen but that's their plan so they can say okay like a shopping mall will be coming here in two years so you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and then it's like you can make an educated decision like okay if Tesla's putting a car dealership if there's a shopping mall if there's a
2: grocery store obviously the property value is going to go up yeah yeah Literally a no brainer. I think, um, I think I guess it's the decentralization of cities, especially after the pandemic, people are like, oh, I don't need to be in Manhattan or wherever. So I think now the suburbs are just a no brainer well, in terms of investments. Yeah.
1: I mean, it makes sense, especially like a country like UK. I think there's like over 30 million people here. So everybody can't <laughs> live in London. And then there's more people that's coming. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's a need for a second city or even a third city, right? Yeah, yeah, it there just, is. It just yeah. makes sense. And then even with the United Kingdom, um, I feel like a lot of a lot of Americans aren't fully educated on that either. Like they think of the UK and they think of London, England.
2: Yeah,
1: but um, it's like Wales, Scotland, mm. Northern Ireland. Like this—that's why it's the United Kingdom, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. not just like one territory. It's like
2: all of that. I think
1: four, something like that, right?
2: Well Scotland, Novel. yeah, four, yeah. Four, yeah.
1: That's the geography tip for you guys. <laughs> a little education. Yeah. In there. So, so, what's what's, what's, what's your plan? What's your ten-year plan? What's on your ten-year
0: plan? <sighs> I get yeah, asked this question to, all this all is time. like the city planning board. It might happen.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it might happen. Yeah. <laughs> what's all your, what's all your vision? What's on your vision board? Ten-year plan. Hmm. So i don't I don't think that far ahead you know think five years ahead not even that five days ahead six months max. six
0: months six months max that's it six <laughs> months six
2: months max that's one it. month in dubai what are we gonna do for the next five? yeah <laughs> but even now like I, I don't know what i'm doing next month mm. so it's, it's, it's become f- a lot figure it out as it comes yeah the life of a bachelor it <laughs> exactly. <Go or> works <laughs> well you just left dubai yeah, yeah, yeah how was that Dubai was good. Dubai, I originally went to do just for business but for me it was just like actually let me step outside and just not do any business and yeah I was networking and connecting with people, made some good friends but um, business wise not, not much really happened. You know you was um, probably the fourth
1: person because when I came I know a few people from London connected with online and I had reached out a few people and like four people was like oh I'm in Dubai to further notice like i I wish i could make it but i'm in dubai (laughs) and i was asking like is that a thing like where everybody from the uk is just going to dubai yeah
2: yeah yeah dubai is literally like it's like you never left england Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it is very very british because there's so so much people from england over there
2: yeah why though
1: is it just because it's close how far how far of a ride is it
2: you look at eight eight hours. Well, it's eight not, it's, hours. Not, it's, it's not, not that close. It's not close it's not so
1: why is so many people go from England? Because you could probably get to America. And it's cricket to thing. America, yeah, yeah. I think
2: it's probably like six hours to America. Yeah, New York, yeah. So um, I think people obviously opportunities. Dubai is like trying to compete against um, the world in every aspect, from crypto to real estate to tech to everything. And I think just job opportunities, lifestyle. British people love the sun. They always like to tan, <laughs> yeah. so um, yeah, all of that I guess kind of makes sense. But I think it's quite smart what that city did. They just made in, Dubai is very inst, like Instagrammable, and as a result, you know, their cost per acquisition is literally nothing because all these influencers are like <laughs> talking you, about. You it. know, I never really thought about it like that. Instagrammable. Yeah. That that's actually a very
1: insightful take on it. They they. Theoretically, could have built this city to get the most bang for its buck ever in history because they've gotten the most social media free, free. publicity Literally. in any place ever in the history of the world, and it's like everybody's taking pictures and yeah. the FOMO of not being there, and they don't have to even run ads to try to get people to come to Dubai. Yeah. You
0: just see it on your Instagram feed. There's no travel agency needed. <laughs>
2: like that pool that I went to, like Cristiano Ronaldo was there. Uh, at, yeah, on his Netflix series yeah yeah oh, that's I, okay, I, So is twice yeah. Netflix yeah obviously he put I assume he probably got paid to, for that but I think you know even just bringing in celebrities and all this stuff I think it's, it's a smart move
0: yeah. Um,
2: yeah and then the rest are just like and it, the city is like very very like Instagramable take a picture of anything it'll look, it'll look good yeah um, saw you in the desert yeah great. in the desert yeah exactly so <laughs> That was it, and I think um, it's it's just smart how they've done it. Instagrammable, yeah. I like that. Quiet.
1: I like that. Make sure, make sure whatever you do as an entrepreneur is Instagrammable. The <laughs> events have to be inst. That's like our events. They're Instagrammable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Create a moment that lasts forever. That's Once it's on social media, it never goes away. Literally, that's it. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure, my brother. Thank you for joining us. What would you like to tell the people as far as um, how can they follow you on social media website? Um, you know, consume the content All that information
2: Yeah, so um, Go on YouTube It's Relax My Dog Relax My Cat um, If you're going to follow me personally On Instagram It's Aman77 is my Instagram And then yeah, the rest Check it out Relax My Dog, Relax My Cat Relax My Dog And Relax My Cat And Calm My Dog And Calm My Cat And, and pet tunes. All four And pet, pet tunes. tunes Actually, we have experimented with music for... Guinea pigs. I was just going to add, there pets that we can call. Them. Guinea pigs? And, and rabbits, yeah. On, so, this is on pet tunes. Calling rabbits. Do people have guinea pigs as, as pets? Yeah. Loads. Yeah. Loads. But surprisingly, it does work. Like, obviously, we've experimented with it and we took the same approach. But we're seeing, like, loads of people using it on their hamsters and guinea pigs and rabbits. And, like, oh my God, this. What about fish? Fish. I don't think we've tried that yet. Oh, yeah, I have to give it to them. You know, the water, it's tough. No, nah, I mean, you just, you know, put it close to the
1: fish tank. People have fish tanks. Yeah. So you, put the, you put it close to the fish tank or put it, you put the TV, fish can watch. They have eyes. I was thinking snakes. <laughs> know, like, or you know, parrots. Exactly. Yeah. Parrots. Because <laughs> parrots can actually repeat stuff
2: too. They can, yeah, yeah, they can. That'd be, yeah, would be interesting to have like a training course for parrots to speak yeah no speak but it is, it is interesting there's so many different areas like i was saying earlier like people that don't own dogs but live in california where weed is legal uh consume relax my dog
1: <laughs> oh yeah talk about that a little bit before we leave so <laughs> relax my dog is not the content is not only consumed by dog lovers <laughs> it's consumed by potheads as well right no no we, yeah. we call them marijuana users. marijuana <laughs> yeah <so.
2: laughs> it's
1: jokes Shout out the Yeah,
2: so apparently they <laughs> they get they get high and they start to vibe off of the off of the vibes. They do, they do. It's crazy. Like we saw, um, I guess comments coming in where people are, oh, because um, the color, it's color graded, it's virtual walk. It looks kind of looks kind of trippy when you watch it, and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't have a dog, but I love watching this when I'm high. Mm. And then at first I thought it was a joke. High off what drug? Uh, weed I assume because when you say the color thing I'm
1: thinking maybe psychedelics maybe LSD yeah I don't know I didn't know know what kind of mushrooms LSD stuff like that but if you see the (laughs) colors that not that I would know but I'm just saying it would would seem (laughs) from watching it on TV it seems like that's the kind of trippy
2: vibes you're in I've seen edibles do that to people so yeah Yeah. but it's crazy at first I thought it was a joke but then it was just like consistently going for it I love watching it when I'm high so that's a whole new market right there. Whole new market? Have you ever thought about marketing to that?
1: Calm my wife. Calm my high. <laughs> <laughs> calm my, my husband. husband. Yeah. <laughs> no, calm my high is a good one. Calm my high. Because you don't get paranoid. It's like, you know, yeah, calm my high. That, nah, that's, yeah. that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Calm my high. You're on know, that roller coaster sometimes. It ain't no, it's going to be tough to calm. Well,
2: <laughs> now, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you watch the content, it'll soothe Let's you. Give it a try. Give it a try. uh um, but like, like I said, obviously, uh, it's mostly from America. Cause I think a lot of states, weed is legal now. Yeah. Because all yeah, of yeah. them are. Like not, 20, not
1: all of them. 20, oh, maybe 30. Over 30. Yeah, a Over lot. 30.
2: A lot. And now they
1: even have some states um where psychedelics are legal. Like in Oregon, mushrooms. Oh, wow. Mushrooms are legal. I think um, one of them is like hardcore drugs is legal. I think that was Oregon. Oregon? Yeah. Like LSD or something, right? I don't want to go that far what like <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I think you're, uh, you're referring to oregon yeah not yeah too awful. but in,
1: in uh, amsterdam drugs are legal
2: yeah yeah that's i think that's the only place in europe yeah because the
0: out here
1: you, you can't even smoke weed weed's not legal in the no UK. no none of it is so a little less progressive learning <laughs> <laughs> from my friends across the pond yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> well there you have it there you have it ladies and gentlemen
0: Troy, housekeeping items? Yes. Shout out to everybody um, on EYL University. Shout out to all our earners. Shout out to the entire UK fam. Like I said, we met a lot of people um, that are earners. And we actually met Marcel. Shout out to Marcel, who uh, was part of the EYL team uh, and still doing stuff for us. So shout out to him. And shout out to everybody that supported the merch at the event and supported the merch throughout the world, man. Uh, Earning your leisure is an institution uh, for financial literacy and anything in the entrepreneurial world. So thank y'all for your support, man. Keep rocking with us yes thank you guys for rocking with us shout out to the UK shout out to London
1: uh, we'll see you next week peace. peace my graduates from my school being Forbes back drop, Bag drop. <laughs> a mic drop back drop, Bag drop.